Welcome to Amplified. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome, welcome. This is Ken on Amplified Influencer Channel. Hope you're having a wonderful Monday. We're here in D.C. Don't leave D.C. too often with the COVID thing, but just want to remind you, this is where we are. If you know people that are authors, speakers, leaders, veterans that haven't had their picture taken for the Keep Smiling books, we would love you to connect us to them and give them some love because leaders that actually cause smiles in the world are leaders that are impacting the world in a positive way. So how are you, Andrea? I'm doing great. Uh, lots of things are happening for the Keep Smiling movement. Uh, those of you who um, have you know, been talking with me uh, know that we've been um, reorganizing the Keep Smiling movement along with my own businesses and Amplified to get everything in alignment so that we can really grow at a bigger level because we've had such an outreach of people reaching out who are, you know, feeling with the Keep Smiling movement. They need, you know, hope. They need, you know, resources. They need intervention. And Ken and I are out there to uh, create that so that we can put a smile on everyone's face. So things have been really exciting. And uh, this week um, uh, will be coming to a close for a lot of things as the operations manager is coming so that we can finish everything we started about 12 weeks ago. So super exciting things are in the works, Ken. So you have had an outreach of people reaching out. That is pretty Cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, ever since COVID started on a daily basis, I have people who reach out to me who say, you know, hey, I, I'm feeling despondent. I, I feel hopeless. Uh, I'm, I've talked um, probably over 120 people um, out of talking at out of killing themselves, you know, I, I mean, and, and then move them on to give them, um, you know, th therapeutic measures and other ways that we're not trained for at the Keep Smiling movement and to give them resources. Of course, all these people call in, it's, you know, confidential and anonymous, but I, you know. We I, should have I, some I, of those resources in the back of our books. Uh, we, should we should have resources. We should have a yeah. dental and mental resource page at the back of every book. Well, and, that's uh, exactly um, you know, a perfect uh, idea. One of the resource books that we should have is the 101 Resources for Veterans, which is Jennifer Hammond's book and the biggest reason we know our guest today. So without further yeah. ado, and uh, I do mean adieu, let's bring on our guest. Well, well they I'm do not going to can yet you actually, because you I'm going to uh, sponsors? share our sponsors first. <laughs> yes, so we want to thank Voice America Influencers Channel, The Umbrella Syndicate, Big Events USA, The Red Carpet Connection, Perfect Publishing, and of course, our love, the Keep Smiling Movement, our charity of choice. Uh, and right now, we are in a donation push for the end of the year. So you can reach out to, to paypal.me forward slash Keep Smiling Movement. As you hear, um, I have... You know, vets, single mothers, um, people who are really looking for some hope to create a smile. And we need to be able to finish some projects and put things in place so that we can really help them at a higher level. And, so with, and with a thank you, we do have some Keep Smiling Veteran books that would really be a great thank you to people that are donating. And 
There is the 2000 page, and I do say again, 2000 page book that took about two months to create. It is an ebook, it's not printed, so don't worry about a hefty book coming to your doorstep. <laughs> but this is the best of the best thus far. We are inching towards 2,500, et cetera. But if you would like to take a gander at who the coolest people are that are creating smiles in the world, and if we have neglected to put you in and we've taken your picture, simply an email or text, just a reminder of what date or what event we met you at, and we'd be happy to add you in because all the events we do are about personal development, leadership, and people impacting the world in a positive way. So absolutely, back to you. All right. So let me first invite our guest so that while I'm talking about him, you can see what I like that he has a stub- he has stubbly. He has stubbly on his uh, <laughs> on his chin and cheeks, just like I do. So you already know he's humble. a good guy. Yeah, <laughs> Colonel Kerry Harbaugh. Uh, Colonel Kerry Harbaugh. He's the chairman and special operations uh, the the chairman of Special Operations Warrior Golf Foundation. So he's a native of Pittsburgh, and he began his career in the Army serving as an enlisted soldier and non-commissioned officer in airborne and special operation units until 87. And then he enlisted in assignments, including the 101 First Pathfinders, the one 509 Airborne Battalion Combat Team, Task Force 160 Special Operations Aviation, and the 11th Special Forces Group. And then he was commissioned as a distinguished military graduate through the ROTC program at The Ohio State University, and then retired in 2019 after 41 years of military service. His education is so huge that if I right now go through everything that this man has done, I will still be reading this two hours from now. So we're going to kind of break out some of the things and talk about them while he's on the air with us so we can actually hear some more details about all of the different assignments that he's been on all over the world and how he really cares about the men and women who have served with him and what an outreach he's still doing for people all over the world. So welcome to the show, Colonel Kerry Harbaugh. Honored to be with you guys. Well, welcome, Carol. Uh, Colonel, I understand that since you were born in Pittsburgh, you are probably a big Ravens fan. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, what? <laughs> How so, do you get on the show? So you know, I know. I, I, I apologize for that. You can obviously tell what colors I bleed, and they're uh, they're black and and gold. And uh, oddly enough, also the colors of special operations. So um, you can see what then why I chose the pathway I chose as a military guy. <laughs> well. We're not, I'm not going to hold it against you. Andrea may hold it against you that you're not a Raven fan. And uh, we're going to get past this. I mean, we just need to get past this. Little I have to break. Well, I, at the same time, uh, the coach of the Ravens, of course, is, is, is extended family. He's like a fourth cousin, uh, the Harbaugh's. So, um, uh, you know, I have to show some I have to show some restraint and some respect for, for the family. Very good. Well, speaking of family, that's where we like to start. So our audience would love to know who you are as a child and your, how you were brought up, how your parents uh, helped you become who you are and whatever was the, I guess, the magical or pinnacle moment that gave you some enlightenment about what you'd be in your future. Yeah, but I had a, uh, you know, one, I, I grew up with a, with a phenomenal mother um, who was uh, Irish uh, roots. Uh, her parents had come from County Clare, Ireland. Um, and, um, and, she just was an amazing, amazing person. You know, I, I lost her a couple years ago to leukemia, sadly, uh, but still, uh, still a significant person in my life. In fact, this little shamrock on my hat that I keep on my hat all my all the time is is out of respect for her. 
Um, and my father, who was a academician and uh, along with a, a practicing uh, psychologist and uh, had done a lot of different things in his career, uh, we moved around almost like a military family. Oddly enough, even though we had military history all the way back to the Revolutionary War, he was in that generation that was kind of in that slot. He was, you know, too young for World War II or Korea and, and too old for Vietnam. And so he did not serve, but my uncles did uh, in his, in his at least, uh, uh, family line. Uh, and then again, we had this military history that went all the way back to the revolution. I have my great-great-great-grandfather's battle map from the Civil War. He was a captain with Sherman's cavalry. I mean, so military stuff had been in the family for, for forever. And that's why I was raised. And my grandmother played a significant role in my life, uh, one grandmother in particular. And I was always hearing the stories. And so, um, you know, that kind of brought me along as I, as I moved from uh, place to place, as my father was accumulating degrees at the University of Chicago, at Boston University, at in, at Duquesne, at, you know, you know, keep going, keep hopping, hop footing around the the uh, uh, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Ohio, kind of an, an Illinois uh, kind of area uh, for most of my growing up. And then down into Florida, oddly enough, where I live now, uh, I went to high school uh, down here, junior high and high school in the Space Coast area during the years of the of the moon launches and, and that kind of thing. So uh, also inspirational to have to be around that and grow up in that era. I was born in 59, you know, uh, it's just one of those, what uh, was a, a different time in our, in our, in our culture and in our history in the United States. And so, um, uh, I went to, um, I wanted to go to West Point very badly. I was under a lot of pressure from my father, uh, to uh, take advantage of a scholarship. I was offered to go to college early and, um, and he kind of, kind of pushed me that way. And I went to a college, uh, Wittenberg University in uh, Springfield, Ohio, uh, out of that pressure. Um, and then I wasn't happy. So I, I went, I graduated high school a little early, 76, and, um, and went to, uh, went to Wittenberg and I was there for two years. And then I snuck out, like I like to say, like a thief in the night and enlisted in the army, um, throwing away my full ride scholarship, not, not much to my father. So chagrin would be a too polite way to say it. Um, <laughs> And I and I and I went into uh, airborne special operations uh, types of activities as uh, as Andrea was uh, relating out of my my bio there um, and had a great great time as an enlisted guy um, and then ultimately moved into the officer ranks in uh, in December 1987 and then did another another 31 30 almost 32 years uh, on active duty as a, an officer after about 10 years as an enlisted guy. So I did a, you know, a long career. The calling though, to, to, to do it was uh, the service to people, service to nation uh, was what I was raised with. Uh, my mother was a hardcore um, uh, Irish American, but hard on the American side too. Much as, pr as much pride as she had in her, in her Irish roots, she had as being a, a she had in, this nation, this country. I mean, she was a big Kennedy fan, as you can anticipate, you know, Irish American. And that was the era of, of, of Jack and Bobby. Uh, so I grew up with, uh, with a painting of, uh, you know, uh, uh, John Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, Martin Luther King on the wall in the home. You know, that was kind of the, that was the era where, when we were, um, uh, when my father was, uh, finishing one of his, I think his, his, uh, doctoral work in, uh, you know, at university of Chicago, he, um, it was during the 68 uh, uh, convention in Chicago, the riots, all that stuff that was going on, all the strife. You know, when we look at what's going on in the nation today, uh, we forget what the 60s were like. 
and, uh, and it was quite a turbulent time in this nation. Um, and so seeing that, growing up around that, you know, it, it, but service to your country was important. I saw how my uncles, the two that, that went to Vietnam, were treated on return, um, uh, despite the fact they were incredibly honorable men. Um, it was sad. And, and, uh, and once I moved into military service at a time when you still were not very appreciated in the late 70s for being in the military, uh, I watched it uh, mature. I watched the nation mature. And then I got the, the privilege of seeing how the nation ultimately um, embraced the, the veterans, embraced our Vietnam veterans uh, respectfully, uh, recognizing their contribution and their service. Um, uh, but it's still hard to heal all those wounds for those Vietnam veterans. There's a lot of them that still bear those wounds uh, because they weren't properly cared for at the time when it was most important. Agreed, agreed. And then uh, moving into the to my career, it just you know it it it, it just one great assignment after another. I mean, uh, I'm sure you might ask me some more about it, but it's uh, I, I, it's it's such so many uh, years. Uh, I was going through my VA disability stuff, and uh, w- one of those things that you know when you join at 19 and you get out at 60, uh, when get, when they're when they're saying you know to, trying to determine what's service connected, I said my whole life is service connected. Okay, I, I I don't have a moment of my life that hasn't been tied to being in the military. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when you were a child, you already knew you were going to be in the military? Absolutely. I got pictures of me at six already up kitted and, you know, playing war was what you did. I was so proud of my uncles. I, again, my mother and what she related in military service. I had a uncle that had been lost in Korea. That was my mother's brother uh, at Task Force Smith, very uh, uh, well-known operation, the beginning of the Korean War. Uh, you know, and his, his picture was, was on the piano. I, 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 it was just what you did, you know, and the, the stories that go back to this, you know, my eight times great grandfather, who was a Lieutenant in the revolutionary war was with Washington Valley forge, and then was brought on, uh, to, uh, to move as a, as a basically an aide to general green in the Southern campaigns of the revolutionary war. So we signed a family member that spanned the entire revolutionary war. Then the you know the the grandfather the great 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 grandfather that was the captain in the Civil War and then other uncles that were on things like Little Round Top and such at, at Gettysburg, you know you hear those stories throughout your life and that that's it. And my brother did the same thing. My brother ended up he retired uh, uh, back about uh, seven years ago. He did thirty years. My little brother, uh, you know, it's just what we wanted to do. And of course, then my uh, I have got two of my children that have followed that that two of my four children. My oldest has already got 13 years, uh, almost 14 years now. It'll be 14 years in February in the in the Army uh, as a Sergeant First Class at Fort Bragg, five combat tours himself. I mean, and then I've got a daughter who's uh, a cadet at the Citadel right now, getting her commission to come and serve. I mean, it, you know, it's what 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 our uh, what our family does. Well, uh, I wanted to ask you uh, what you thought about this experience I've had. So I, I did serve and I was brought up in a military family where that was not just expected. It was an honor to serve your country. And in Israel, they are asked that all boys serve two years of their life for the Israeli army. And when I taught in PG County, uh, I taught physical science at eighth grade level. When they heard I served, they said, what gun did you have to your head that you had to serve? Because we don't remember there being a draft. And I said, no, that was, that was volunteer. And that was an option. And they said, why would you do that? And I'm, I'm talking out of 150 kids, Colonel. 150 did not understand that decision. And yep. it's, it's a sad 
thing that that's part of the reason there's not respect because it's considered insane instead of an honor and a privilege. I mean, almost any other country that has military, they're looked at as the elite. They're looked at as the best that the country has. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I look, I, I feel like, uh, uh, certainly the, the, the young men and my son, I put him in this category too. The young men that served, he, he, that, that, that signed on to go to go in, especially in this past 20 years have signed on knew what they were getting into. And, uh, you got to honor and respect that. And it is a volunteer force. I, we are a better force as a volunteer force. I guarantee I you that. I agree. Okay. Conscripted forces are never as effective. Um, it's rare for conscripts to have the, the wherewithal and the will to really be the best service member possible. And because of the way that we fight uh, battles today and the, 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 the way the battlefield dynamics are, we don't need huge volume like we did in the old days where we just mass large forces and they kind of slammed into each other and whoever was better at it won the battle. Okay, that's not not the way we fight anymore. Yeah, and so there's a lot. We to want be said for, there's a lot to be said for free will. It is yes. it is a unit. Um, you know, the, did you see the movie by any chance, Lions for Lambs? Uh, yes, definitely did. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a a great depiction of that choice. They were college yeah. students, and they decided that the, that was their their time to be thankful for their country and be a patriot. Oh, yeah. And we have so many, um, uh, so many examples, the special operations community, of course, which has been my home for almost all my career. The special operations community has amazing people. So the idea that, uh, you know, an enlisted guy is, is somebody who uh, joined the military because he was incapable of doing anything else in life, just as, you know, untrue and accurate of what happens. We have amazingly capable people with, you know, some, uh, many with uh, college degrees, many with graduate degrees that sign up to be, you know, a junior service member and grow to be a sergeant or what have you in the, in the special operations ranks. And they just chose not the officer path. Our officers are well-educated people. I mean, it's not a, it's, it's not the, 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 um, the problem is it's you do have a segment of society who views it either through what they've seen in movies or what they've uh, or remembers the Vietnam era to some degree and thinks of it as a conscripted force and not and not what it is. And as well, it's hard to get in the military. You have to meet criteria. You have to be a high school graduate. You have to meet the mental aptitude test and the physical physical tests. I mean, it's it's not as simple as people think. And then to go into very specialized activities like in, in the special operations community, you, you, you've got to be able to make, meet the standards and the attrition to the attrition rates to get into those forces are, are incredibly high. Yes. Uh, I, I was in one of the larger airborne schools uh, and I was blown away. There were three people in my class that were paralyzed. All were officers actually. And uh, the class was started at 1150, if I recall, ended with about 600. Yeah, yeah, that is that is a crazy attrition for just a three week jump school. I mean, it was, yeah, it's just jump school. That's right. <laughs> take that to take that to the special forces assessment and selection. Take that to any of the specialized units uh, uh, activities. Take that to the Rangers. Take that. I mean, just keep to the SEALs. Take that anywhere. And the number is just small, small, small as it goes. It's a tight. It's a it's a hard thing to do. Now, that isn't to say that conventional force service members don't also have go through tough training. They do. And, um, uh, it's just a little different, but the, at the same time, they're a small segment of society where they say it's 1% of the society that serves. Uh, I don't know how accurate that number is, but the fact is that it's a small segment of society. And what we have grown, I think in, in American culture now, uh, to a degree is a warrior class. 
And uh, and I say that because you know, with a family and two of my two of my four uh, signing on to do it, my other two serve. I mean, they've done things and help wounded warriors uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, but um, my two that have decided to serve are again part of a. They've grown up in, in in a family dynamic where military service was part of it, and they wanted to take that on too. And I would anticipate that as this goes, my grandson Declan uh, someday may want to be like his dad. Uh, and like his grandpa was, you know, and that's that's kind of how that happens. That's got good and bad points to it. Do we want it to be exclusively one segment of our society, of our society and culture that that serves and not uh, and not embrace a wider wider grouping? Well, the, your Fortune 100, 500 companies uh, seek military trained people because they do. those people over a non-military trained person has some integrity, timing issues, productivity issues all kinds of stuff. So um, it, it says a lot about we are not taking people into the, the forces that aren't equipped to be leaders and or serve in a, in a stellar way. Right. Right. And Ken, that really jumps to Kerry when we were talking about him, all of this, what he does pre-show, you know, at, and now at the end of all of his career is looking at how to get all these special ops gentlemen who still have a lot of life and a lot to give, how to get, find jobs for them because, you know, in a way they're overqualified to work in a lot of places and at the same time have so much wealth of knowledge mm -hmm. to give to people. So I'm really glad that you brought that up, Ken, because that's what he's working on. Well, our, our friends, I don't know if you know Phil Rendazzo. He wrote one of the Key Smiling books, but he's with American yeah. Dream. So he, he deals more with the transition, not so much the, the retirement aspect. But since you know him, that will be a connection I do not need to make at this point, right? So, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> okay. you do not need to make that connection. I know Phil. The, no, and, and transition, as, as, uh, as we talk about it, you know, there's, there's a few transitions that happen uh, to you, not only in life, but in the military service. The one that's got the breeds the most anxiety in our in our warriors and in, of course I'm, I'm focused on the special operations community because you know most people aren't aware that there are five warrior care programs that the congress recognizes the four traditional services as we all know them and then there's a special operations special operations is given service-like authority in a lot of different realms uh it's it's very unique uh that that fifth warrior care program actually it has grown to be one of the largest. Uh, it's it, it when it comes to numbers still serving on active duty, it is the largest. You can take the others combined and add them together of the four traditional services and not get to the number of special operators that are wounded, ill, and injured and still serving. So it's a significant number, and and what we have are highly capable people. So as they transition, as they're looking for a next step in life, that's what our foundation is focused on. Is, is assisting that way, along with getting, making sure they get ties to resources and therapies and other things. But that's done very well through the Warrior Care Program. I led that Warrior Care Program for six years. It's called the Care Coalition under Special Operations Command informally, or the Special Operations Command Warrior Care Program is the uh, official name. But that, is that, but is that, that has behind everybody you? gets a recovery care coordinator. She so gets somebody, get a big brother that's looking out for you. It's getting you to the right therapies and getting you to right medical care and making sure your disability claim is processed through the VA and those kind of things. You're getting those assistance if you're enrolled in a warrior care program. It's the after, it's the other side of it that's a little more complicated. And transition's always been difficult for us. We have an arm of it at the warrior care program that does it. But what we wanted to do was give some more power to it and use and embrace, pull in the uh, the, the civilian sector, more so the business community, to allow them to have access to our guys and get to know them better and serve as mentors. And the, the uh, logo behind you, is that part of that program? 
that is. So we're using the game of golf. Why? Uh, well, one, uh, I grew up playing golf. I mean, I do have Irish. I, I got Irish running through me. So um, that, uh, you know, golf in Ireland is 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 the best, by the way. Uh, and so we took a uh, we took a, it's on this on this shirt. You probably can't see it, but this uh, little soft mm-hmm. Ireland retreat retreat that had been being done by a really great uh, veteran who's a good friend of mine and is the vice chairman actually of our foundation, Tom Gates. He'd been a Vietnam fighter pilot, flew F-4 Phantoms in, in Vietnam, two distinguished flying crosses. He's in the Florida Veterans Hall of Fame. He's an amazing guy. And he'd been leading these retreats where he just took some uh, special operations wounded warriors to Waterville, Ireland uh, every year for a, you know, a great outing and get them, you know, have some uh, therapy on site if they could use it from the standpoint of um, behavioral health, but more so get into the game of golf at a beautiful place and have a great week to decompress. Uh, I, they asked me when I retired about, you know, pulling together a foundation that had a little different uh, focus, and that was to pull in the business leaders and do a transition thing. So we founded Special Operations Warrior Golf Foundation, wrapped around that with the idea that business leaders who play the game of golf, because we have business, you know, a lot of businesses transacted on golf courses. So um, get those guys to come out and, and become a mentor and a benefactor to a wounded warrior. So we match them up. So when you go to a, one of our retreats, including Ireland, we go there every year and we got one coming up here in April. Um, we, we, uh, we match up our special ops uh, wounded warrior who is in transition with a business leader who loves the game of golf. And the two of them get out there and for that period, and there's a, there's, it's eight and eight is the way we match them up. They play golf together, eat together, drink beer together, get to know each other. And then one becomes the mentor to the other and guides them through their, that next step in their life. Sign me up. Put me in Sign coach, me right? Up. Put me in coach. I, that's, I'm I mean, telling you. It's yeah, fantastic. That's, that is a beautiful uh, combination of all the things you love putting it together where other people can really enjoy something they may not know anything about, or the fact that it'll open up all these doors for them. It's a life game, uh, changer. And what we have on our board, I have the, the, the way that we connect people to therapy, for instance, um, on our board are members and founders of other large benevolent organizations that support the special operations community. So for PTSD, we have the uh, Brian Bill Foundation, Scott Bill, who's the gold star father of Brian Bill, was lost in combat Navy SEAL. Um, he, he founded this organization that does these post-traumatic stress uh, disorder retreats and also helps with TBI. Uh, we have uh, Operation Healing Forces. It helps those that are having marital problems, and they do couples retreats, and that's Gary Markell. He's on our board. I have Jan Stevenson, World Golf Hall of Famer. She's one of my dearest friends, and she lives all the – her Crossroads Foundation does all the golf instruction to get the guys ready so that when they show up, they're not lawn bowling, as we say. They're out there hitting the ball well, which if you want to make a build a good mentoring relationship, make sure that the business leader who's flying to Ireland to play golf with you isn't frustrated by the fact that you can't hit a golf ball. So we get you trained before you go. Uh, and we've got, uh, I've got the, the VA on my board. I've got uh, the chief of staff, our chief medical officer, also happens to be uh, very dear to me because she's the lady of my life. Um, she is, uh, she is our, um, uh, on our executive committee, uh, uh, Dr. Colleen Jakey, and she is our conduit to the VA. So if we see something where the VA can help with one of our wounded warriors, we can contact her and she can make sure they're getting connected to the right people inside the VA. So Lots of great board membership in there. We've got Army Ranger Lead the Way, Jim Regan. we got Home Spit for Heroes, Sam and Larry Rea. These are all great organizations that provide resources, needs-based resources to our wounded warriors. They're all members of our board, and they also go on these retreats as mentors 
So they're able to help guide the guys as in a variety of different uh, venues. But we're not trying to replicate things that other people are doing well. We didn't want to have one that set, claims to be the end-all, be-all. I watched that too much with benevolent organizations uh, through my tenure. It was that rather, why don't we tap into the centers of excellence that are out there with these benevolent orgs and use them? Awesome. We're going to be going to break, and I know uh, Voice America is saying, you're saying VA so many times. Voice America is like this right now. Just so excited that you said VA for Voice America. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about the Veterans Administration, but I love I... the Voice of America, too. <laughs> All right. So, Andrea, if you could uh, exit us for the sponsors, please. Absolutely. So um, we want to thank our featured sponsor, Opus.Finance. Opus.Finance, creating a globalized, decentralized processing system for all. And the Voice America Influencers channel, the Keep Smiling Movement is our charity of choice. We want to thank the Umbrella Syndicate, Big Events USA, Perfect Publishing, and the Red Carpet Connection. And And we'll be back. And Carrie's. Uh, foundation special op- operations warrior golf foundation um yes is our featured uh, organization today thank you so much for that and we'll be back after these messages be sure to friend us on facebook you can do it right now visit facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for us at keyword voice america The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. Welcome back, and what a great first segment. We're going to have an even better second segment. And remember, when you say the sponsors this time, say VA twice, okay? All right, go ahead, Andrea. We want to make sure we thank our sponsors and uh, the Veteran Affairs are going to be very excited about that. So we always do want to make sure that we give our love to our sponsors. Again, our featured sponsor of this show is Opus.Finance, creating a globalized, decentralized processing system for all, for equal rights, for for the people, by the people, and the Umbrella Syndicate, Big Events USA, the Red Carpet Connection, Perfect Publishing, and our charity of choice, the Keep Smiling Movement, a charity that we're honoring today, special operations warrior golf foundation and of course when we're talking about the va veteran affairs we thank everything they do for our veterans and voice america influencers channel great thank you so i had uh, i'm a movie buff and uh, have a very large collection but robert redford i think did a great job with lions for lambs but i just saw outpost and wow that was 
I, I know we had talked before the show and it is always going to be a little Hollywood eyes to make it a uh, more appealing and more popcorn sales, but what a, what an amazing movie. And I just saw it like a couple days ago and I thought it was a great depiction of the action and the stress and just the overwhelm and, and also just the, the circumstances you're put in that are almost impossible. So I, I'd love your feedback on, you said you saw it recently too. Yeah, I did. Uh, again, like I said, absent the Hollywood stuff, always hard for military guys. I'm sure it's the same thing for any profession when they watch it depicted in movie form. Okay, so I imagine doctors watch surgical procedures. In fact, I know from, from my Colleen that when she watches movies where they're doing surgery, she's shaking her head. Uh, it's the same thing when I watch military operations on, on in, a, in a cinematic uh, fashion. But at the same time, elements of the outposts that I thought were well done was showing the 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 courage the the way that the uh, the guys care about each other the steps they take I mean if you look at most Medal of Honor acts Medal of Honor re receiving acts um, it is the guys looking out for each other okay it's a, it's a hey that my buddies down uh, Sal Junto Medal of Honor recipient from the 173rd Airborne unit my son served in in act in action around the same time that my son was deployed as well. You know, he ran after he, he ran after to get a buddy that the Taliban was dragging away. OK, that's what he did. He went under fire to get to his friend that. Mm -hmm. And that's what he received the Medal of Honor for was for that act. That's the kind of thing, you know, jump, jumping on guys, jump, jumping on graves. Lee Petri throwing it, trying to get rid of a grenade that was going into the vehicle that would have killed a bunch of Rangers, loses his his arm and hand for it. That's the kind of act Medal of Honor receiving act. OK, and it's looking out for each other and the way they do it. I thought the outpost depicted that well, that, hey, I got a man down. I got guys trapped in a vehicle. We're going to get to him. And I think that those aspects of it are where it and as well, how the environment in Afghanistan, how complicated the environment is in Afghanistan and these outposts like they are. My son has served in a number of those outposts and, in fact, was involved in an action where uh, a number of uh, service members were lost and, and, and injured. That's the that's the kind of thing that happens in the in the in that battlefield or on that battlefield uh, routinely. It's a complicated environment and difficult to always identify who the enemy is, where they're coming from, how many of them and able to handle the situations in, in the best possible way. So yeah, that was good a movie in that. That was a that was a crazy scenario. I mean, hundreds and hundreds, I think it was over 400 Taliban were coming down, coming down on what they called Custer and uh I, I think what's also interesting is when one person is injured or killed in action, the name is known and it stuns everybody and they'll do anything to save the person, even if they're dead and the Taliban, they're dying left and right. You don't see any of them stopping and saying, Oh my gosh, I just lost Ali or whoever. And it is, it is really, a, it's the thing that moves you the most about America is we care about each other and yes. we care about yeah. serving together. Um, I no, wanted we to, we live that. Uh, I will not fail those with whom I serve, and I will mm -hmm. not leave a fallen comrade. I mean, these are parts of, of our ethos. They're part of our creeds. They're in the Ranger Creed. They are things we will just not do that. But it, it's, yeah, and a, it's, it's, a, it's what makes us special. Kerry, do you have a Mission Barbecue in your area? We do. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Good friends. They are, yeah, they started here in Baltimore. In fact, he was, I believe, one of the owners of the Ravens. Don't be mad. But uh, he, he, he took uh, his investment, I guess, and found uh, other investors, and they, they started that, if I recall. They sure did, and, and proliferating all over the country right now is what I'm hearing. That's good Yeah, like news. gangbusters, like gangbusters, they, man. They, 
they've been incredibly supportive of us and our program as special operations community, but uh, a warrior games, because I was a director of the warrior games for 2019 here in Tampa Bay, uh, which is our big Paralympic event. Uh, they were, they've been wonderful through the years and uh, big, big fans. Well, I'll send you a link, but I, I was at their inaugural first Glen Burnie, Maryland store. Oh, at, and, and, and every time they had a, a celebration, I always volunteered the umbrella syndicate volunteered because we know what it is to honor and to celebrate people that are fighting for our freedom. So that, that since I've talked about a couple movies, I, I want to just talk about one more. And then I want to ask you, you can throw a movie at me, whether I've seen it or not. I'd love to hear what you think is a great movie that it depicts heroism um, and patriotism. But I'd like to leave with, say, my last one is my favorite, and that is Black Hawk Down. Yeah, I, I, I love Black Hawk Down. Um, hard not to, uh, the, the way that the, the, uh, the whole mission oh. went down, the way the guys said, but I... I and and I, Ridley Scott, yeah. Ridley Scott, he, I think he, he got you feeling what was happening. Yeah, I had uh, actually had one of my officers from my my shop uh, out of uh, out of Sockier at the time um, was was there as one of the technical advisors uh, for Black Hawk Down, and so um, uh, he was one of my captains. And I sent him. I was a lieutenant colonel at the time when I sent him. But um, uh, yeah, I, I I the I you know I love the movie the way it depicts uh, the the camaraderie, the spirit, the fighting spirit. The, a lot of what we were talking about with the, the valor and, and the protecting one another and uh, not leaving any man, any man down, trying to get them to, to medical care, all of the, all the elements of the movie. Um, uh, well, it's, it's essential. I mean, really, when you get down to it is because once we had the down Blackhawk, we weren't going to leave men fallen. So we were doing all we could to get to them. And that included, uh, sadly losing, losing more and having more hurt. Um, but, uh, that's what happens. I also love the fact that the SEALs showed that as disorganized as they appear, they're there. They're completely there. Mm. In, the, in Black Hawk Down? Yes. Oh, yeah. Those weren't the SEALs. Those were, that was Delta Force. Del Just make sure right. I'm Sorry. getting my friends, my friends yes. in the community Thank properly here. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yes, Delta Force was uh, looking rather slovenly because they're undercover most of the time, and they're dealing with look, fitting in. And right. so, so when they had to step up, of course, they were always ready for that. Yeah. That was yeah. Great. I'm sorry to correct you, but my friends, my yeah. friends there in the, oh, and I, I got I'm, so many SEAL friends, my, some of my, one of my best friends is SEAL. So I, I would, but they get enough credit with all their movie, other movies. They're always <laughs> making movies and writing books. That's our, that's the way we tease them. Yes. And uh, that's, that's probably my problem is that I've watched too many other movies, with SEALs being honored. <laughs> but thank you for correcting that. And uh, would you please share a, a favorite movie that uh, you would recommend to people? We do this normally in rapid fire, but uh, you're going to have another opportunity to share other things that inspire you. God. Yeah. yeah if you, you know, I knew, I knew you'd warned me that you might ask me a question like this, Ken, but um, cause I don't really uh, one movie. Now, if I'm looking at it from an inspirational perspective, or am I looking for what, what touches my heart? There's, there's a couple. Okay, so um, my my um, my very favorite movie, oddly enough, is a movie called Cinema Paradiso. It's Italian movie, okay, and it's about somebody who loves movies and about a boy who lost his father in war, and now has a mentor, and so it ties into the whole you know the children of the fallen kind of thing, um, and has a mentor in Alfredo, the the old man who's a projectionist at this little little theater in the town who becomes his father-like figure for him and then um, encourages him to leave and move on and have um, a more 
um, inspired and productive life. So I love that story for a couple of reasons, and, and that is. So Cinema Paradiso is my favorite movie of all time, okay? Um, but then again, I have, uh, you know, if you, if you went to um, something in the, in the, uh, the war genre, um, I can't watch Saving Private Ryan without, no. without getting a lump in my throat um, because it, again, talks about that service and sacrifice. It talks about that, that um, it speaks to those tones of, of we'll, we will not leave a, a, a man down. Uh, uh, how Private Ryan would not leave his buddies on the bridge and ultimately other men were lost. And when he says to his, his wife, tell me I'm a good man, tell me I've lived a good life. If you, if you're, if you got it, not be human. I'll get choked up right now. Yeah. You're disconnected from humanity and emotion. That's right. (laughs) It's like, it's, it's there. That's right. So, uh, I, I, I think it's, uh, I, I find depiction of that kind of, uh, commitment and service and sacrifice honor, and trying to honor, uh, in this case, the the the, uh, the figure played by Tom Hanks and, and Captain Miller by living a good life as a as a consequence. Well, I first of all again want to thank you for correcting me on the Delta Force. And as a, a a way of showing I'm apologetic, I want to take a picture of every person in Delta Force and put them in our cute smiling book to thank them for what they do at an extraordinary level to protect not only our country but our fellow veterans and troops. And so that, that will involve a lot of black bars. I know, I, I, okay, know I, I know. I know you were you were tongue in cheek <laughs> on that one. But yeah, there yeah. will be a whole lot of pictures of, of my friends at Delta. That's right. I know. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Carrie, to to make sure Sil- we, we could do much silhouettes. Of, yeah. So it's, so to make sure we cover as much as we can in the remaining, I guess, roughly 15 minutes. I know that you spent a, a bunch of time with the producer, Andrea, and I know she has at least a question for you. And I wanted to make sure we fit in a little more about your um, your foundation and what you think about people serving, supporting, and doing their own thing to help. So mm-hmm. let's address that first, and I'm going to go to Andrea for a question or two that she may have based on your conversation. Yeah, yeah the the question I have, Carrie, um, because uh, on time, so if you can condense it as best you can, um, what what was the pivotal like scene or memory for you that made you decide that this special operations was how you're going to do your entire future like that that this was your focus for me personally that i wanted to be in special operations or this foundation i'm, I'm, I'm kind of which, both which, okay but, well be brief yeah yes, that's very... hard that, that, that's hard yeah um i know yeah special only in only in one word carrie only in one word do it no, I'm, just <laughs> I'm, just <laughs> I'm just kidding carrie go ahead Founding. <laughs> that would be the word right now um the uh the yeah i i um from early on uh, in my military service, I got I got pulled into by serendipity by having a good mentor uh, in a major that I knew uh, that pulled me into a special operations activity. And so for me, once I got in it, you got a taste of it, the quality of the forces, the difficulty I had in getting through the training in order to be accepted into the unit, uh, because it's kind of like making a major league team, okay? It's like making the NFL. Once you get in, now you go, okay, I want to hang around. These are the guys I want to hang around with. These are my kind of guys. Guy like We call it blue, guys like us, okay? So um, the uh, so that was a piece of it. Once I got serving in that force, and then as I made the transition to the officer career, I then moved into that force in another way. I served as an intelligence officer. People looked up my bio. They'd see that I was doing that in the special operations community and then uh, had the opportunity to command and lead uh, formations related to special operations intelligence throughout my career. Uh, And so that was a great love of it. I got messed up doing a mission with special operations. 
I had a warrior care program for special operations that helped me through that, through what was a very difficult health period as a result of what happened to me. Uh, so when Admiral McRaven was one of my old bosses, pulled me in to ask me to take over the warrior care program in 2013, when he asked me to do that, it was the greatest honor and the greatest way to finish my career out for six years to lead the warrior care program. So to care for them from that came, uh, walk, because in that warrior care program, you work with hundreds of benevolent organizations, mostly focused on the, for the special operations community, but some that are broader. I found that there was a niche where I could, that wasn't as replete with resources. That was the transition niche. And maybe I could use a couple of loves game of golf and how we've been effective with the soft Ireland retreat, uh, with, along with the transition aspects of, of tying in business leaders. That's how I came up with soft warrior golf foundation. So, and how I continue to serve there, but I'm also on the boards of a number of the benevolent organizations that are that are tied to my, my organization as partners. I'm on uh, Brian bill foundation. I'm on crossroads foundation. I'm on, I'm an advisor to homes fit for heroes. I'm on, I advise operation healing forces. You know, I'm so, um, I, I support these guys. I'm, I advise uh, the Army Ranger Lead the Way Foundation. So in all of those ways, I'm continuing to stay networked with the people that have supported my guys. And because these are, you know, one of my one of my dearest friends, old boss, one of my greatest mentors is General Tony Thomas. Uh, he is the chairman of the Special Ops Warrior Foundation. It's not affiliated with Special Ops Warrior Golf Foundation. I always want to make sure people understand that because the Special Ops Warrior Foundation is focused on the children of the fallen and where we have a special operator uh, who dies in combat or training or from illness, they provide college scholarships and support as the kid matures to get them prepared for, for college or other uh, careers. Uh, they provide all the resources for that. But he's on my board also because he loves golf and, and he and he's one of those kind of guys that that, you know, loves the idea that we're that we network things. And so when I brought this concept forward to him, he signed on to my board, not only because he loves golf and because we're good friends, he signed on because he loved the idea of having this network, this constellation of care. And that's how our foundation was formed. Was that fast enough? That was pretty fast. Um, okay. And I wanted to say I owe another apology. I normally at the beginning of the show say how the dots are connected. And we have a dear friend, Jennifer Hammond, who we connected do. us. And she is doing stellar work on making sure that the Hill is uh, getting the right information out or that people are getting the right information that there are a lot of people fighting for veterans and making sure the veterans are getting everything they possibly can. And this is a bipartisan effort. And she has a wonderful book called 101 Resources for Veterans. So uh, just give a shout out to her and, and tell what she means to you. Oh, well, Jennifer is one of my dearest friends. Uh, friendship uh, that was uh, born a few years ago as uh, we were getting ready for Warrior Games uh, and then just blossomed with opportunities that she provided uh, where we got to really talk and get to, to know each other and uh, get to know each other's mission to the point when she asked me to write the forward for that 101 uh, resources, I wrote the forward for the, her latest edition, uh, which was a great honor for me. Um, I think the world of her, I think what she's trying to do as well with the Hill, keep leaders inspired uh, to do the right thing legislatively, to provide the resources and make sure that our, our veterans and our active duty service members have at their disposal all of the kit they need in order to get the best possible care, but also be able to move on in life successfully. We owe it to all of them for what they what they have sacrificed, what they give up to be service members in the, in, in the uh, in 
for this nation and for serving the world in the way that we do. And she has taken uh, great steps to make sure that people are aware of, of what's out there and how we can use it. And we'll go ahead and put a link to Jennifer's book. Uh, we do that every time we have a veteran uh, type of theme. So I'm glad I was able to remember that. I would have been in the hothouse. I would have been, that would have been like. I was hopeful that you would. If not, I was going to plug her anyway because, uh, because I dearly love her and, uh, and I love what she's, uh, what she's been able to do. We're, we're, we've been able to, with a lot of different activities, uh, you know, we got great support on Congress. With Congress, it's understand, making sure they understand what the specific needs are and not going to the, uh, you know, to the, the squeaky wheel or the shiny topic of the day. So we always have to keep them focused on what the long-term goal is. One of the things that we've had to deal with, and I've been working with John Stewart, Daily Show fame. He's a good friend of mine as well. And we've been working on the toxic exposure bill. You might have seen some of the media coverage related to it recently. Of course, it's, it very much is a dovetail off of what he did with the 9-11 uh, first responders bill. This is for our veterans. And it's the toxic exposures that we bear on the, on the battlefields. It sometimes gets uh, spun up as burn pit. It's more than burn pit. There's lots of things we're exposed to in indigenous water and food supplies and the inoculations and prophylactic drugs we're required to take and all that that has a cumulative effect on our on our uh, our health system and that's in our in our bodies. That's the that's the kind of thing that that he's helping us inspire and make sure that the, the VA is given the right latitude. The VA gives a phenomenal care. VA gets a bum rap a lot of times. Veterans uh, Health Administration at a part of the Veterans Administration gives phenomenal care, but they have to be authorized to give it. It has to be based on the finding for that service member or veteran that it's service connected. That's that's through the Veterans Benefit Administration of the VA, and we have to give them the, 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 the push, and that push is given by Congress by making it part of the requirements that the guys get it. We did it with Agent Orange. We did it with um, uh, Gulf War Syndrome. Now we're doing it with the exposures that we're getting on this battlefield that we've been on for 20 years. Well, we are getting close to the end of this show, and as I had said, there's rapid fire, no guns, but there are fast questions and fast answers, and I'm glad yeah. you're having a cup of joe because you're going to be given spitfire answers. So uh, when I make a comment, uh, your goal hopefully is to get it uh, responded to as quickly as possible so Andrea can hit hers, and we go back and forth, and you're going to feel like it's almost badminton or volleyball. All right. All right. Yeah. Here so, we go. A short phrase, one or two words. Here we. Well, yeah, here we go. So, um my sister was born in Stuttgart, Germany, was uh, either say wh why that was an important place or your favorite place you were uh, located. Great. Uh, uh, one of my favorites, one of my favorites, uh, because the Special Operations Command that I was uh, served with there and did a lot of great missions out of it. Okay. Andrea? A favorite song that really gets you jazzed up and moving. Well, uh, I, I, I got two, okay? Uh, More Than a Feeling Boston gets me jazzed up and moving. Okay, and and I love you so, uh, Don McLean, and that would be for Colleen. Aww. Very nice. Okay, um, a book that you buy to give to people. Uh, the Princess Bride by William oh, Goldman. Absolutely nice. fantastic book. Funniest book, better, even better than the movie, and the movie's great. <laughs> I, I actually, I'm going to do a part B then. Is it different for the movie that inspires you? Uh, I mean, the book that changed your life. I'm sorry, the book that changed your life. Is that a different? Oh, now you didn't ask me book that changed your life, Ken. I, I know I did, I did it on life? purpose. I okay. did that on purpose. Book that, book that changed my life? The Bible. Very good. Andrea? My question is, is if you had a superhero power, what would it be? Um, immortality. 
-hmm. If you could meet anyone that you haven't met, who would it be? Alive or dead? Oh, anyone I've had that I, uh, George Washington. Um, what would your, uh, two or three word advice be for, uh, young people making a decision, uh, for their future when like, you know, a senior in school, talk to a mentor, find a mentor. Okay. Um, a place, uh, no quote you live by. Be nice to everyone and act like you own the place. Um, uh, I think we can ask uh, two more questions and then okay. we need to go to our sponsors. So um, favorite book as a child or what your mom, what your mom might have read to you or dad? See, we have that to make would a take long for me to think of. Well, I, we need to, I, we need really to make a children's me book. Off guard on that one. Well, tell you what, Carrie, we, we need to make a children's book. So that becomes your favorite children's book, a, a book that teaches kids about patriotism. That'd be a good one. I um, think that's a great idea. The, so, the Man in the Green Beret would have been one of them. I say that because I had it on my shelf for a long time. The Man in the Green Beret and other stories of valor, one of the things that inspired me to become a service member. And it was about oh. uh, Captain Donlin in Vietnam, the first Green Beret to win the, the Medal of Honor. And uh, final, question, final question, who, who is your biggest hero? I have to put in a category. My, my, my biggest heroes, how's that, okay. are, the guys, are the guys who have uh, signed on to, to serve during this time of war, knowing what it meant. That includes my son, includes my daughter, includes uh, so many other sons and daughters of America. But they are, they are my heroes. Because I get thanked for my service all the time. It's like, okay, I joined in 78. I do this because this is my profession. These kids that signed up when this war was already going, knowing it meant they might get out there and get killed or maimed, those are special people because they volunteered, like we were talking about earlier. They didn't get conscripted. They volunteered. Very good. Well, Colonel, thank you very much for a, a very heartfelt show. And I want to say we have amplified your goodness and we would love to have you do a key smiling book and your story would be inspiring. It would really, I think, cultivate um, a draw to the brotherhood and the sisterhood that is on the field and let them know that we really care about them. So thank I'd you. Be not, I'd be honored to do so. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, Andrea. And you got to get a yeah. screenshot, Andrea. Uh, we, yeah, hold on. <laughs> Let's thank our sponsors first. Uh, we want to thank Opus.Finance, the Umbrella Syndicate, the Keep Smiling Movement, Our Heart, of course, to Special Operations Warrior Golf Foundation, Voice America Influencers Channel, Perfect Publishing, and the Red, or excuse me, well, the Red Carpet Connection. Oh, there, I'll get my own name out. All right, thank you so much for all of us, um, for all of you, for listening to all of us. And, and you could have so said the red, you could have said the Red Cross. It would have been okay. <laughs> thank you for the laugh because my heart was very touched there at the end. Thank you, Carrie. Especially, I think we, we I think we all were. So um, we'll see you next week. And thank you again, Carrie. Amazing person. I really appreciate everything you've done. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. Uh, stay here with us, Carrie. We're going to take that picture. <laughs>